Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, thieves, welcome to the Boston Podcast, where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And by the way, if you'd like to be a guest on this show, particularly if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, somebody kind of struggling with all this nonsense in these unprecedented times or whatever we're calling it today. Please email me, david at pod617.com. We'll put you on this show for free. It, what, I mean, come on. It's for free, people. Be on the show. Market your wares. Pitch all your stuff. I have a friend of mine on the line. He's a Boston native, but he has taken over Detroit when it comes to the world of podcast. His name is John Gay. Company is Jag in Detroit Podcast. Welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, this is embarrassing. My, uh, my sound patch on my Roadcaster Pro. Oh, there it is. <laughs> we've got we got podcaster on podcaster love here today and my sound effect failed how are you john podcaster on podcaster crime i'm yeah. great dave it's nice to be here yeah um i appreciate it uh remind me what town did you grow up in around here i am a native of malden massachusetts Go right malden. two stops on the orange line absolutely it's great to have you on the show so what's interesting here is we here at the Boston Podcast Network, we kind of an island unto ourselves. There, there aren't, there isn't another one. But I have friends in other markets that kind of do what I do. And so, John, you're the Dave of Detroit, as far as I'm concerned. You've been doing this for a while. Your your clients, uh, uh, I take it primarily professionals and others hire you mm-hmm. to produce their shows. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, kind of all over the place. So a lot of my clients are financial advisors, but I also have a lot of nonprofits, places like the National Bone Marrow Transplant Link, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation that I work with. I've worked with divorce attorneys, architects, you name it. So if you have a small business or a nonprofit, largely go. here in Detroit, but also anywhere, um, I can work with you remotely in these trying times. <laughs> I, like to, I, I like to think of it as having dual citizenship because I'm a Boston native. I am loyal to all the Boston teams first and foremost. Most. I have adopted Detroit as my hometown because I really do love it here and the people here are wonderful. Midwestern hospitality here in Michigan. So I have adopted, you'll appreciate this, the mm-hmm. Lions, the Red Wings, and the Tigers as my secondary teams. But I refuse to adopt the Pistons because there's just too much bad blood <laughs> over the Celtics. Yeah, and we're constantly reminded of that most recently with the the Michael Jordan documentary. Have you been watching that? To read the local p- coverage here, it is such sour grapes talking about you know Jordan mm. leaving Isaiah off the dream team, and mm. they love the bad boys and they love the Pistons here as as you would expect. Mm. But to like complain about it's like come on. This documentary was produced by Jordan. You're getting Jordan's perspective. And I'm sorry, you were those dirty SOB players back in the (laughs) 80s and 90s. And I I, I get no apologies there. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, the my only beef about the documentary is, and it's because I'm spoiled this being sort of a golden era of, of documentaries, is I want it spoon-fed to me a little bit better. I, I'm watching it with my son, and I'm constantly saying to him, wait, is this the last season, or are we back in Jordan's... I forget which season we're in. What are you we? You know, I gotta say, you're, you're right. My wife totally agrees with you, because I've been watching it with my wife, and my wife, had, her parents had season tickets to the Garden to see the Celtics when she was a kid. And she's like, I hate this pinging back and forth yeah. between 97, 98, which is supposed to be the crux of it. And then, oh, for here's some context back to the first championship or the second or the third. So a little more congruency might be good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't have to like completely bang me over the head with it. But like, for example, in the show that I love, Better Call Saul, they, there's, there's always flashbacks in that show. But when they do it, they flashback and they show it's like they put this dreamlike filter on the video. So you're like, OK, I get it now. Now we're, we're back like, you know, 10 yeah, years in the past. It, yeah. yeah, right. I'm the idiot. I want you to idiot proof it for me. Not calling you an idiot per se, but just generally speaking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we do on this show, I haven't done it in a while, but the be John being the Boston native, we're going to lock you in the Boston vault. Those are the sound effects of the virtual vault. Used to be more effective when people are in the studio, but what the hell? Um, all right. Enough security. Oh, okay. All right, what we do is we ask, we ask you questions that are somehow centered around our fair city and whatnot. Since you brought up sports first, and we'll lock you in for about five or ten minutes or until I get tired of it. Um, since you brought up sports, how about this? Favorite memory of attending a live Boston sports event? And that could be anything. could be any of the sports. Oh, could, wow. Okay. Could even be college. Um, I, I'm a Patriots fan first, so I've obviously got a ton of great memories there. Mm. But I was fortunate enough to get into the online lottery and get tickets to the Red Sox opener in 2005 when they mm. got their rings from breaking the curse. And I was on the third base side when the crowd cheered Mariano Rivera yes! during the warm-up and he took his bow right in front of us. Yeah. That was an incredible, incredible moment. You know, um, yeah. I, and, my, and it, me, my brother, and my college buddy, and one and a guy that I worked with up in Vermont at the time in radio, and it was to be there for that moment was so emotional and so cool. It was something else. Yeah, I was there as well. I was on the third base side as well. For all we know, we were sitting in the same row. But for those that don't remember that, the the Red Sox had um, not only you know beaten came came back from down 04 famously in 2004 and then went on to win the world series but early in 2005 the Sox had already visited Yankee Stadium and uncharacteristically Rivera had blown a couple saves if memory serves because when they introduced Rivera the crowd cheered it was it was it was sort of yeah they cheered largely for blowing the saves in the ALCS but yeah you're right come to think of it they may have played in New York before that home opener now that or yeah that. or maybe it was some combination of both I don't know but he he took it I mean didn't I mean talk about a class act took it completely in stride it, it just just immediately he, he cracked up and he and he and tipped, tipped, tipped his cap. cap and everything yeah exactly there are very few Yankees I respect but him and Jeter um there are they're all right and by the way you'll enjoy this John I've seen some Boston fans on social media saying hey I just saw the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is postponed until next year suck it Jeter <laughs> any opportunity to put the poor guy down so um growing up in Malden uh this is just a stock question I like to ask. Was there a go-to ice cream joint 
in Malden that you enjoyed? Not in Malden, but once I was old enough to get my driver's license, we'd take a cruise up to like Peabody, Middleton area. We'd go to Richardson's up there off Route 1. That's a spot that we liked. But, you know, in Malden, we could just go to one of the three or four Dunkin' Donuts and get a culotta <laughs> at that point, too. So, Thank God during this pandemic, we, we still have supermarkets, uh, takeout, food and liquor stores. So as we say around here, the Packies, Market Basket, and Donkeys all still open. Um I, 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 quick aside on Dunkin' Go Donuts, ahead, yeah. because uh, two quick asides, if, if you'll indulge me. Of so, one, the quality of the coffee drops off precipitously the further you get away from their home base of Canton, Massachusetts. Oh. So, in my radio days, I started my career in Burlington, Vermont, and the coffee wasn't bad from Dunks. And then I came here to Detroit, and it was pretty meh. And then when I went down to New Orleans for a couple of years, it was like Bayou Swamp Water. It, and so, what <laughs> wow. I found out was yeah. that. Uh, Duncan actually brews the beans differently, uh, roast the beans rather differently mm. in different parts of the country for different coffee tastes. So that was interesting. But to tell you, to give you my Boston, uh, my Boston cred here. So my best friend and I in high school, every single morning, we would get off the bus, the, the MVTA bus to the Dunkin' Donuts in Malden Square across from Malden High School. And we would get a bacon, egg and cheese croissant and a large coffee with cream and sugar, hot or ice, depending on the weather. And, um, and, and there was one morning where he didn't have enough money for the coffee and he got a migraine and fell asleep in three classes. And thus the Dunkin' Donuts addiction started at like age 17. That's the, 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 the two of you going up to Dunks. It, it, it recalls uh, Damon and Affleck and Goodwill Hunting with Affleck bringing. And then da- I left Damon. town at the end of the movie. So we, we definitely have that going. That's right. You know, best he looked at me one day and said, after we watched the movie, he said, if, can I swear on your podcast? Yes, go for it. He, said, he goes, he looks at me at the end of the movie and goes, if you leave and don't, if you leave and don't tell me, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> you better tell me if you're going to leave. That's yeah, that's life imitating art. Yeah, John, you know what the best part of my day is when we go, I go to Donks, but you're not there. You're just gone. No goodbye. No see you later. <laughs> that's I, exactly I, how it was for Kenny and me. Yep. There you go. What was your go-to ice cream order at Richardson's or wherever? Oh God, just I don't I, I don't even remember. It's it wasn't a it wasn't a frequent thing. I just I think more about Dunkin' Donuts than I do ice cream or Kelly's roast beef too. Mm-hmm. Getting the uh, roast beef with barbecue sauce at Kelly's. <laughs> There you go. Everybody's. My wife is going to blame you later when I go back upstairs and start dropping my eyes again because I (laughs) in radio. In radio, I had to learn to drop the eyes. And then when I talk to my mother, my father, my brother, or my best friend, (laughs) or like you, somebody back home, they just fall right off. Or from drinking. Well, that's a good segue to my next question. Who who in Hollywood does the Boston accent well, and who kills you? DiCaprio, I think, failed at it. Um, In um, in the Tom Hanks one the uh whatever that's called catch me if you can right no i'm thinking of um oh. the departed oh the departed yeah you know what did he even try to do it in the departed well the Depo- or maybe by then he learned to not do it i mean look you got you got you know oh, you're right he you did got- no he did he did because 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 yeah. um the Wahlberg, the Wahlberg character berates him for it he's like you had two different accents didn't you you little you little piece of shit you're up on the you're up on the uh you're up on the North Shore, uh, you know, a two-decker man up on the North Shore with your mother on in your fancy up there, Marblehead or whatever, and then you're coming down and you're dropping your eyes with your your father, the hump who works at the airport. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I would say Ben and Matt and, uh, and, and Wahlberg, like the authentic ones, are pretty good. Beyond that, I don't think anybody does that well. Uh, we'll give you credit on all of those. I think you're right. Although for the, for the, for the negative in the future, please um, reference... The same movie, Martin Sheen, I don't know what he was doing, and Alec Baldwin, even worse. Oh, the world needs plenty plenty of bartenders. Oh, Jesus, hurts my ears. Anyway, mm. um, how about this? Favorite 
favorite Boston athlete, perhaps growing up, that was that is kind of off the beaten path, like not the Brady, not the Poppy. Yeah. Who was? Who well, was, and, and full disclo- full disclosure, I'll be forty this year. So Brady okay. won the first Super Bowl my senior year of college. So like, yeah. I, so I, I feel like I grew up with Brady. Ah, uh, jeez. So he's younger than me. Is he's rubbing it in by a decade? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, Cam you, Neely wouldn't count. Cam Neely wouldn't count I'll as off you, the beaten path. Cam, I'll, Cam I'll was one of my favorite growing up. I think anybody hockey is off the beaten path unless you're a real Boston hockey Krishna. What? Why? Yeah. What did you like about Cam? Because not only was he a prolific goal scorer, he would kick the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. Not just in Dumb and Dumber either, but like, and then that year when he played with like half a knee and he had like 50 goals in 45 games, something ridiculous. I would. Yep. I loved Cam Neely growing up. Um, yeah, he was no. the quintessential good player who was also tough. Um, I remember him being the the sort of butt of a joke or part of a joke on ESPN's wonderful this is P- this is ESPN you know ad campaign, and the ad featured like Carl Ravitch and Dan Patrick in the bathroom, and they're they're kind of adjusting the makeup on, on their faces. And meanwhile, Dan Patrick is saying, "You don't have to drop the gloves to be tough." I mean. Mark Messier is tough. Cam Neely's tough. Then he turns to me and he goes, "By the way, your foundation looks really, really great today." So, um, yeah, I like I like Cam Neely. Ran into him once at a bar. Didn't know what to say, and I said, "Love your stuff, Cam Neely." And he said, uh, "Thanks," and moved on. Um, how about this? Did you did you travel uh, in your younger days? Did you have occasion to travel the T in Boston? And if so, if, do you have pro con or memorable story of our our beloved uh, and despised yeah. public transit? So obviously, I grew up uh, not too far from Oak Grove on the Orange Lines, uh, and so uh, my grandfather was a jeweler on was it is it State Street in Boston where the jeweler buildings is or all that uh, stuff is right downtown? Yeah. So the, my grand my my grandfather was there, and my dad would take me in there to actually the downtown. Probably I, no, you downtown crossing. Downtown crossing. So, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, what what is this? It must be Winter Street, and the, and then yeah, yeah, Washington right Street. Yep. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Washington Street. That's yep. the Washington, Washington Street. Street. So yep. um. And so my dad would take me into town to go see my grandfather at the office. And then, you know, my grandfather passed in 89, but my, my brother went to that same office years later to get the uh, engagement ring for his wife. So it's kind of a cool family thing there. My favorite tea story though, is there was all, there was this thing for high school seniors, this like big college expo at the Bayside Expo Center. And, um, and like so, all of us from our class that were going to go to college and start looking at colleges—I think it was like you know junior year or whatever—there was a day where we all knew they all knew we weren't coming to school that day. We were just going to go into town. We went as this big group of like forty kids, and we all got on the orange line and went down to the to to go check it out. And my buddy Nick, God bless him, who had no plans to go to college, no desire to go to college, like, well, hell, all my friends are going. Like, I'll, I'll come. Mm-hmm. So he was shit faced. He had a <laughs> bottle of Coke with like rum or whatever, and you know where else. 16, yeah. 17, whatever. Yeah. And like, we're waiting for the train at Malden Center. And he's like starting to lean a little bit oh too boy. far over the yellow line. So like uh, my buddy just grabs him by the uh, back of his hoodie and yanks him back. He's like, easy there, Nick. Don't, don't fall on the tracks in front of the orange line. That's funny. I'll, I'll tell my story, which is somewhat related and also recalls Dunkin' Donuts yet again. I was um, getting on the subway in on the, the, the C branch of the green line. Mm-hmm. inbound near near uh, Coolidge Corner. And yep. I'm waiting. And as as frequent travelers of the T know, there are typically two cars attached. 
And so you can wait to get on. I'm talking about, now we're talking about streetcars, essentially. They're not underground. They're, they're on, yeah, they're yeah. right there on Beacon Street. And so there are two lines forming. There's one kind of towards the front. There's one kind of towards the rear, two separate entries to this car. The, the two doors are going to open. The car starts approaching. It was, it was, um, winter and so people are bundled up and there's i'm i'm in the front group but i'm looking back and in the back group i, I happen to see a guy who he looks like kind of a burnout um long hair but he's got his donkey's coffee and large large regular and um for some reason the lid is not on the coffee okay you can probably see where the story is going so uh-huh. so what happens is the car the, the the subway pulls up the streetcar pulls up it turns out it is it's pulling up um it's not stopping where it should it's gonna it's gonna overshoot where it normally goes so mm-hmm. we start walking walking up towards the where the, the direction the train is going and so does this back group but this this dude this burnout guy doesn't realize he's veering a little cl- too close to the tracks and here oh. com- and here comes the train right and so the train it look it, and i'm looking back in horror like is it gonna kill him it doesn't kill him but it gives them the most vigorous, like, you know, like a linebacker taking you out, like in, in the open, <laughs> open field, the coffee, the, yeah, like Brewski taking somebody out. The, the coffee goes flying, like the coffee got the worst of it. And then you could see everybody sort of in his group, just giving him dirty looks. Everybody is covered with Dunkin' Donuts coffee on, getting on the train that day. Um, <laughs> good times, good times. Good. Everybody's got their tea stories. Um Final question. I will give you a softball. Is there a musical group that uh, or artist that you tend to favor that hails from the Boston area? I will. Uh, can I give? I'll give you one more story because I'm really long winded. Oh yeah, um, what the hell? And, it's a and that is, of course, of course, that's Aerosmith. Um, I. <laughs> that's and, correct. Yes. So, so I grew up. Uh, so I graduated college in '98 to get. So during those 1990s years, not the cla- not the classic '70s stuff that a lot of people like, but the 1990s years, the first album I owned on CD, mm-hmm. or the first CD that I owned, I should say, was their Big One's Greatest Hits album. Okay. And first concert I ever went to was Aerosmith New Year's Eve at the Garden. Like I was a huge Aerosmith fan, still am. Great. And so here in Detroit, when I was working in radio, they were playing the Palace of Auburn Hills, and I pulled some strings i was like hey listen like i don't ask for this kind of thing very often but like steven tyler is my favorite artist of all time do you have any room to sneak me into the meet and greet i would just love to say hello nice. and um and so i went with my then friend now wife ellen and she mm-hmm. came with me and it was this big thing and she said i was like one of those little kids you have to put like the backpack leash on like, to make sure that I didn't <laughs> yeah, run, run right. down the stairs ahead of time and so you know we obviously <laughs> let the people who paid 600 bucks for the meet and greet go first and the right. record label rep was like all right you can you know go down after these folks and you can hear like Stephen is just schmoozing every woman there from age 20 to 90 <laughs> and charming the pants off of them and just doing a great job so finally we get down there and um and Joe does not say two words, Joe Perry. Joe, Joe was yep. did not want to be there. It was just Stephen and Joe. Joe did not want to be there, which is kind of a bummer. Joe, Stephen, Joe, seemed, Joe seems like he doesn't talk that much in general anyway, but, yeah. but go ahead. <laughs> but, and, and when you meet like one of your childhood heroes, you're hoping that they're going to be cool. You're right. so hoping. You don't want them to be a dick and ruin anything for you. Stephen could not have been nicer. He was very friendly, and I, and I had my line ready, and I said to him, I want to thank you for writing a song about every girl my best friend or I dated in high school. And, <laughs> and, and he and he he really enjoyed and he that. And I got great. the pick. 
Yeah. I've still got the picture of Steve and Joe, Ellen and me. And, um, and it was, it was a really, really cool moment. Of course they put on a great show. Steven's flying on the stage and, and it was, uh, it was a really, really cool moment. It was one of the few times, the only two times I've gotten really starstruck in my radio career were meeting Steven Tyler and meeting Carrie Underwood for very different reasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fantastic. You and I uh, have very similar opinions about the, the bad boys from Boston. Um, I, and I kind of got into them, in college. So I graduated in 90 and that, that was really Aerosmith's second act. I mean, they had, they had, um, and that was pump and get a grip. And yeah, yeah, those three albums, permanent vacation, pump, get a grip. I, I, I think they're actually their best. They, they, I mean, they're not considered classic along the lines of, you know, dream on and walk this way. And, and I love all those dearly as well, but when they came back, they allegedly got sober. You know, uh, Tyler and Perry famously were the talk, called the Toxic Twins because they were always yeah. wasted. Got sober, came back, and just worked, just as we would say around here, worked wicked hard on those on those three albums. I got to meet him once. Your story is much better than mine. I got to meet him once. Um, somebody had hooked me up with a quote-unquote backstage pass, which really just meant super quick meet and greet. It was, yeah, bef- yeah. It was before the days of, of smartphones, so I didn't get a picture. I got an autograph. Who knows what happened to that? I was trying to think of something that, to say to him. My goal is always you know, to say something to the celebrity that's going to make him react a little differently than the average Joe. And yeah, I, that was the I, idea with my line. Yeah. You, you, you won. Uh, I got a Tom Cruise story <laughs> for another day that I made Tom Cruise laugh. But Tyler, I got up there, I choked, and I said, you're the ball, Steven. And he said, thank you, man. And that was... <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's such a boston thing to I say know. too you're the ball you're the ball steven i'm sure nobody's ever said that to him but um man i saw him um probably going back five to seven years maybe only five years but he did a solo tour and you know the dude at age whatever he was at the time 68 or something just still brought it he's still got the charm oh, yeah. the charisma he's is his voice is still terrific people make fun of him because he, he dresses like an old lady sometimes but so what you be you steven you know yeah well, you successfully negotiated the uh, Boston Vault, John, of course. Nobody's surprised. And um, we're going uh, to send you out a uh, lifetime su- supply of clam chowder, but it's the canned kind. Sorry, it's all we can afford. I was hoping it would be from Kelly's. I yeah. guess not. No, not. <laughs> Sorry, we can't afford that. So let's, let's start. We're going to talk a little podcasting with uh, John, and we'll play uh, Good Stuff, which is a segment that John is completely unprepared for, but I'm just going to ask him to recommend something good during the course of this pandemic and this quarantine. Hopefully we're in the seventh or eighth inning here of this freaking thing, but something good that might uh, brighten your day and a recommendation how he's surviving the pandemic. That's a clue, uh, John, that I'm going to ask you that question later. It's, it's a bit oh, I've heard the a, podcast. I, I'm somewhat ready for well, this. Well, okay. Good on you. Um, so how's, how's it been? Um, and tell me, in your opinion, it's a loaded question. It's a softball. But should people be podcasting now? Should they be doing more podcasting? What are you seeing and what are you kind of hearing among your clients? Yes, yes, and yes. So um, as I mentioned, a lot of my clients are in the financial sector and they're financial advisors. And I've had a couple of clients that... I hate to say, you know, aren't don't quite get it and say, listen, the markets are all over the place. My clients are all panicked. Like, I don't have time to deal with the podcast right now. But the smart ones say, hey, this is a time for me to effectively get messaging 
out to my clients. They're home. They're a captive audience. And I can really effectively get this, you know, get information to them, whether it's about all these things that have passed, the SECURE Act, the CARES Act, all this government aid. I won't bore you with the financial detail stuff, but mm. all this stuff that's so relevant and changing so quickly, you can get it out in a podcast. I'll record the podcast. I'll edit to you. You get it approved and you get it pushed out in a day or so. So those people really get it. In terms of creating content, if not now, when? I mean, right. you're stuck at home and yeah. you don't need a fancy setup like yours or mine to get going with it. You can easily set, get a podcast set up for, you know, a hundred bucks or, you know, mm -hmm. or, or less in some cases. To, all you need is a microphone that plugs into a USB, which you can get for a hundred bucks and a pair of iPod headphones and you'll sound great. Yep. Just, you know, um, preferably with David's or my help, but still right. it's, uh, you know, this is the time to do it. You know, the podcast creation has gone way up and, we're all home. Why not? Yeah. If you know, we weren't, if we weren't home, Tiger King wouldn't have been as big as it was. That's this right. was the time to create content for people to consume. Yeah. And, and absolutely right. And think, think about how it's an efficient and new way to reach your, your audience. We're, we're obviously just the, the choir preaching to each other here, but, but um, <laughs> I mean, if you're a, a professional of any kind and in the past you've done anything like a blog or um, been a speaker on a panel or mm -hmm. you're writing published articles, those all are great. But I mean, how about trying something that, that is likely to be more compelling more intimate for lack of a better word. You know, you're talking to people, your clients and potential clients, you're in their ear and also efficient. Of course, it, you know, it goes, you're, you're you, we know you're speaking to your clients, you know, every day one-on-one, -on -one, but you know, you're a financial advisor. When I was a financial advisor, I, I had as many as 300 clients at a time. And so just from an efficiency yeah. standpoint, you record a podcast giving, you know, even just five to 10 minutes of advice, you know, every, once a week or twice a week or whatever you're going to do. And you know, that that's compelling new and it's, and it's fun. What and, and I, I want to come back to something you said ahead, a second yeah. ago, David, and that's the intimacy of audio. Me having a background in radio, mm. audio engages your brain a lot more than video because video you can just sit there and stare at it. But when you're audio only, not only does it go in places video can't go, I always say you can't watch a YouTube video while you're driving, or at least you shouldn't. But I think I always say that you know it engages your brain because you have to paint the picture for your audience, your audience has to picture what's going on. And if you think about, I'll use Boston as an example since we all grew up there. If you grew up listening to Maddie in the Morning, or if you grew, or now if you listen to, you know, say Toucher and Rich, or um, or uh, what's his name from AAF that went to EEI, um, my buddy Fitzy, uh, Nick Stevens, shout out uh, Nick go. Stevens and uh, the Hillman, what's his name? But yeah, if you listen to the Hillman yeah. or, or yeah. Touchman Rich or whoever it is, you feel like you know those people because they're with you every morning and you get a glimpse into their life. And that's the connection that you can really make as a podcaster with your audience. You can really get to know somebody and develop that bond. That is, it's a cliche in radio, but it's true in podcasting too. They call it the intimacy of audio. There really is something to that. You, you bet, man. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's one of the reasons why I, I started this company in the first place is to, to have familiar voices that you get to know. Yeah. For me as a kid, it was uh, Charles Laquadera and Tank oh, yeah. and, on, on, and the big mattress show on WBCN. And, um, and you're right. You, you, you feel like, you know, him. I listen to Adam Carolla's podcast frequently and he's got two sidekicks and I feel like I know all three of them. And mm -hmm. <laughs> the one time I got to meet Corolla, I went up to him, was totally comfortable. Like, Ace Man, how you doing? He shook my hand, you know, and he doesn't know me, but I know him. And so, yeah. you know, it, it's a great, I mean, they, and coming back to the, the world of business, I mean, what do they say? You got to know somebody, trust somebody and like somebody, you know, there's a, an, 
in uh, direct avenue to get to know someone, even though it's a one-way communication for the most part, you're um, you get a feel for the person, right? And it's like, hey, I kind of like this guy, so I would hire this guy, you know, so uh, or gal. Um, so. Tell me why you think it's fun. There's a creativity aspect to it. So I loved being a radio DJ and coming up with content. And the radio industry has really gone down the shitter in the last 10 years. Mm. And I got tired of waiting for a pink slip from corporate in New York or Philadelphia or wherever saying, we don't need this position anymore. You're a line item on a spreadsheet. We got to save the money. So I was always terrified of starting my own business, but with my wife's help, she works in corporate finance. So she does the books for me. We joke that she's the CFO Mm. and um, it's not really a joke, but it's, it's but uh, <laughs> You're lucky. It, you know, it's a chance to really create audio, use the skills that I have, and there's an art form to it. There's an art form to conducting an interview and playing off somebody. There's an art form to the editing, to knowing when to leave an um in and when to take it out. And went and how to smooth something out so that if somebody is not very seasoned at a microphone and they, uh, you know, like they, um, uh, you know, like stumbled their way through a sentence, cleaning <laughs> it up so that somebody can't tell that you edited it and making sure that maybe this person is an astrophysicist at MIT, but mm-hmm. they just don't speak very well, letting their expertise speak for them and you're not and not losing credibility because maybe they weren't the best at stringing a sentence together. Yeah, we do get the moments where we get to be heroes to our clients when I, I always, I mean, I don't want my clients to make mistakes, but they're, they're always impressed when you say, by the way, you know, at minute 17, you referred to that guy's daughter as Margaret, but it's actually Sally. So I just took it out and I copied when you said Sally earlier and saying, oh, yeah, like, really? You did that? It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, wow, you guys really listen to him. It's like, well, we have, we want to listen to him. But it's um, the job to make people want to listen. I, I had a client that was very happy with my work and she told me that she was not paying me enough. And told me that she wanted to start paying me more. And that was when I said, well, I guess I should start charging a little bit more. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so, so when having a client be that happy to develop those relationships and then they then recommend you to new clients with referrals, it's really an amazing, amazing feeling. Yeah, I had um, I had the, the sad story recently of uh, a client who potential client who decided to go a different way. And instead of producing a podcast under our umbrella partnered with some trade associations. So I kind of felt like we weren't in the running anyway, but he said, um, he said, by the way, your, your prices are really reasonable. You should think about charging more. So I got told, by the way, you're not getting the business, but you're, you don't charge enough. So I was like, wow, thanks. That's thanks, a double edged sword. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a pant load for that. Um, so, uh, once again, and it's how do people find Jag in Detroit podcast. Give us the URL, John, and where we can find you. So my social media and my website are all the same. My social is Jag, J-A-G, in Detroit. And uh, and my website is jagindetroit.com. You can send me an email, jag at jagindetroit.com. And I am now like uh, I'm recording everybody remotely. I'm right here in my home studio. And whether you're in Detroit, Boston or, you know, Tampa Bay with Tommy, you can record (laughs) remotely with me and, and we'll make it sound like we're in the same room. Yeah. And John and I both use the the same platform here. So if you like the quality of this one, this is what your podcast can sound like. This is turning into a little bit of an infomercial, yet very entertaining, I think. John, I, hope. I, I, I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, we're a little biased, but I think so. Yeah, we are. But you know, yeah, I, I do it. It's, it's fun. I mean, and, and the other thing is that you mentioned, um, you know, connecting. It's also the, the cool dynamic of inviting guests on your show. And it's just, I mean, think about it, you know, Mr. Financial Advisor, lawyer, whoever you are, or, or even, you know, hobbyist, consultant, whatever the hell you do. There are people that you need to keep in touch with. And how are you going to do it 
Now you're going to do these individual Zoom calls and say, hey, we should get caught up. Well, people are getting burned out on Zoom. But if you say to them, hey, how would you like to be a guest on my podcast? I mean, I have yet to hear anyone turn anyone down for that, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it's rare. And, and thank you for reminding me to plug my own podcast, which is The Please Jag do. Show. You can find that where you get uh, your favorite podcasts. The Jag Show. J-A-G. That's right. All right. So we, we've done, we've, uh, I was about to make a foul joke. I'll say it and maybe edit it out later. We've done enough sucking on our own popsicles when it comes to um, podcasting. Too foul? Take it out? Leave it in? No, you can just take out a rib and make that happen. <laughs> wasn't, that the, wasn't that the rumor about Marilyn Manson? Oh, God. <laughs> So you went too far, John. John, John Kay. Uh, a radio mentor once told me you have to cross that line every once in a while just to know where it is. That's right. that's right. Well, well done. Then thank you. You did a service to the podcast. Now let's play good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. You're a podcast expert, so I appreciate your abstinence and not uh, reminding me how many copyright violations I break when I play that sound sting. I look hey, at you're it. You're the one with the law background. I'm going to defer to you. So yeah, if, but, you're, if um, you're okay with it, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> I look at it as a de minimis um, violation. So B-52s, uh, come at me, bro. Um, all right. So we do this thing and we recommend something good. So, uh, John, if you would. Something, either something you've seen or a book you've read or a good cocktail recipe or anything like that, any sort of coping mechanism that has helped you during these uh, unprecedented times. <laughs> Can I give you two or is you just Yeah, go one? for it. I'd love to. Yeah. All right. Uh, so on one hand, so my wife and I are big fans of Hawaii. We went there for our honeymoon in 2017. We went back for her 40th in 2018. And we just love all things Hawaii and just the vibe out there and everything. Obviously, we can't afford to go every year. But mm. um, we've begun binging the Hawaii Five-O series, the <sighs> remake that started about 10 years ago. Okay. And it's just nice while we're stuck here in Michigan where we might get snow this weekend is, you know, it's nice to be able to watch the the beach at Waikiki and and the, the campy fun that is Hawaii Five O. So that's my TV series. We're binging wow. that on CBS All Access. That's that's interesting. And that I'm trying to remember who starred in that one. Um, that was uh, Scott Con and the other guy. The other guy. Yeah. No, I can picture him. I'm looking at him now, but I'm I'm not. And the Google machine isn't uh, responding as rapidly as it should. But anyway, that's cool. Is it, is it done as sort of a tribute to the original? Is it tongue in cheek? Is it funny? Is it what's it like? Yes, all of the above. Oh, okay. And uh, and you know, eat right down to Bookham Dano. Like it's uh, <laughs> it's it's and there it's kind of, that's kind of a wink and a nod to the past. Whenever whenever right. he says that to Danny Williams. See they so. see to me something like that. Do it if you're going to do it with uh, a little twist and a little wink and a nod. It's why. Um, now a good example of it might be like the Brady Bunch movie like that, like then they made some remake, some sequels of that movie. But when that movie first came out, so it's obviously an homage to the show from the late sixties, early seventies, it comes out in whenever it did, I want to say late nineties or two thousands or something, but they did it as a, as really a parody of the old show. They, they imagined what if the, this, this weird, you know, uh, button down family from a yesteryear was living in today's society and that right. was funny right and and it had of course it had the classic line when sam the butcher you know alice's love interest is spotted in a bathrobe in the morning it's like sam what are you doing here he said oh i just came to deliver some beef so i don't know if the, how the kids <laughs> got that one. okay so that's hawaii Five O is one what else you got the other one is uh and i'll be forgive me for being a little bit of a softy here but dogs 
I have become a huge dog person since moving in with my wife. Our, our first dog, mm. you'll, uh, you'll appreciate the names. Our first dog, Brady, unfortunately passed in January. So we got a new dog about a month ago, and we named her Jules. Mm. So I love it. You poor so, guy. You lost two Bradys in one year. Really? In, actually, <laughs> it was this. It was kind of the same week. It was the week Ooh. that they lost in the playoffs that we lost our dog. So it was a rough week. That, yeah. But, uh, yeah. But. But so Jules is our dog. My wife, you know, my wife has a corporate job. She's working from home. I work from home anyway. So we're both here all day. And just having that unconditional love and, you know, it gets us out of the house every afternoon because we take her for like a 45 minute walk. And I never grew up with dogs, but having dogs uh, now that I've lived here with my wife, they it, the love is just unconditional and pure and there are a lot of dogs that need homes right now and unfortunately there are gonna be a lot more dogs because uh people as they're losing their jobs and their their income they may not be able to afford to keep their dogs so if uh if adopt don't shop and if you are thinking about it this is the perfect time to look at getting a dog i love that and uh, and i'm on board um and i'm like you I, i grew up without dogs i i was still am allergic to most dogs but um, my girlfriend got a dog about uh, eight months ago, almost a year, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, and I just uh, became really good friends with this. Dog. I tell, I'm in a relationship with the dog now. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Unconditional love is is exactly what it is, and it's just they're they're they have a lot of character. I I, yes. I still you know and and whenever I see like a commercial with a cat on it or a video with a cat in it, I. I'm like, I guess I've become the dog person who says I don't see the point of a cat because a cat just doesn't show the same personality that the dog and does. And it's always planning to kill you while you're sleeping, the cat. Yeah, right. It's scheming. And the dog, like the dog right now, being nine months old or however old he is, he's actually doing, it's almost like he's learning. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an animal uh, scientist or anything. I don't know if they their brains develop as or when they stop developing you know what i'm asking i don't get like a kid learns to talk a kid learns to walk a human right yeah we refer to our dogs as our perpetual toddlers if that's where you're going right so now meanwhile the dog obviously knows how to walk from the moment he pops out but but he's doing a few things now that he didn't used to do like to get my attention he'll actually put you know his paw on, yeah. on me, he'll reach out like like a human would, you know. And I'm like, and I'm like, whoa, Kobe, I guess you really want my attention, and it's really sweet. So um, I'm with you, man. Hey, the dogs are the big winners in the quarantine. Oh, absolutely. Pe- pe- people are always around. Everybody wa- always wants to walk them. Um, when it's over, the dogs are going to be like, hey, what the hell? I was getting used to this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're up against the clock here, but um, jo- John Gate, you are awesome. Jag in Detroit uh, podcasts. One more time, the URL on that, John. Jagindetroit.com. Thank you for the plug. And uh, I could make about 15 more Boston references. I live here <laughs> in Detroit. It's my adopted home, but I'm still a Boston native. And like I said, dual citizenship. I have a lot of love for both cities. But if they're Boston's play in Detroit, socks and pats all the way. <laughs> there you go. Um, thanks so much. Make sure to check out John's podcast as, as well. Thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you dig this. Share it with a friend or a colleague. If you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com. All the info is there to get in touch with us. And if you want to be a guest on this show, you know what? Just email me, david at pod617.com. You're always welcome back here, John, especially with the... How, bring however many dogs you want. We'll take them all back. You, It'll you, be an hour or two of dogs and Boston sports. Reference. There you go, man. Heaven. Heaven. On behalf of John Gay, native of Boston, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. And if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a good one, everybody. Hang in there. Lick a dog or have a dog lick you and be happy.